The In Focus, Up Close with Presbyopia podcast series has been sponsored by Allergan, an AbbVie company. The presenters are paid consultants. Hello, everyone. This is Dr. April Jasper, Chief Optometric Editor of Optometric Management Magazine. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the In Focus, Up Close with Presbyopia podcast series. Today, we're pleased to have with us Dr. Selena McGee, owner of Precision Vision Edmond in Oklahoma. Dr. McGee, thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Dr. Jasper. I'm super excited to be here. So in today's podcast, we're going to talk about patients with presbyopia and specifically who they are, what they do, and most importantly, what they want. So let's get started. So Selena, who is your presbyopia patient? Can you describe them to me and, and tell me a little bit about them? Sure. So I think of actually two different patient types. So let's start with the easy one first. And this is the patient that comes in, you know, frustrated, you know, their, their normal day-to-day -day life has been disrupted um, because they can't function and do what they need to do. And they may have tried some workarounds, you know, and their kids are typically making fun of them because they can't read the recipe or they've got spectacles on the end of their nose, you know, et cetera. So that's, kind of the first person and the world that we live in right now is all screens and it's been screens and that's not going to change. Right. And so this is the same person that has their font blown up to, you know, 40 point on their phone. We're reading like one word at a time. So I always ask for their phone. I'm like, let me see your phone. How much trouble are you really having up close? <laughs> the font will tell me everything I need to know. So the second presbyopia patient is someone that doesn't necessarily know about presbyopia or they haven't been diagnosed yet and they're not really having a lot of trouble day to day. I think those are the ones that are super important and even the pre-presbyopes because they haven't correlated it with the fact that, oh, I'm 38, 39, 40 to the fact that they're having a little bit of trouble up close or they're just more tired by the end of the day. So there's actually two separate buckets there. Absolutely. And do you feel like our female or your female patients and your male presbyopia patients present differently to you in the office? And if so, how is that and what does that look like? Definitely. So my female patients are much more vocal about it. They will actually admit it and they tend to admit it earlier than my male patients. And you know, both are looking at a lot of screens. And so sometimes it's really asking good questions to suss out, you know, what's really going on with their vision. And so we have to be really intentional with both patient types, male or female, because they may not have, you know, connected the dots of what's really happening. And so that's just a general rule as far as females tend to come in earlier and they're more vocal versus my male patients. I usually have to dig a little more and ask a little more directed questions. <laughs> right. And then a patient now is in the office and you are talking to them about presbyopia. How do you find they respond to that conversation or react when they find out that they have presbyopia? It depends on if this is the first time they've heard it because there's a huge psychological piece to that, right? Because yeah. if this is the first time that they have a glimpse of mortality, then it's a longer typically conversation and certainly an, you know, an empathetic conversation because 
it can be a big blow. And sometimes you see patients go through the five, you know, levels of grief with this and having more birthdays and a, another trip around the sun. And so I think it's really important to, you know, talk to patients about that and, you know, ask, you know, how does that make you feel? There's an important piece to that to make that connection of not letting our patients be fearful of this because they tend to think that once their vision starts to decline, that it's going to deteriorate for the rest of their life and that they're really fearful about that. That's the number one thing people say, oh my goodness, is this just going to continue to get worse? Great. <laughs> and no, that's not the case. And oh, by the way, that's why you're sitting in my chair so that I can help you. We're going to do this together. Um, and so it, it is certainly can make, I think, if you're not ready for that, uncomfortable. But if you're ready for that, you can be such a good resource for your patients in that sense. And that's exactly kind of where we want to go next is to say, you know, let's talk about what our presbyopia patients want from you, their doctor. And I know it's a big question, but uh, the answer is, you know, something that I think is so important to all of us. So what do your presbyopia patients want from you, their doctor? Certainly. So it's interesting. They want answers and they want help both. And we have to be intentional about that conversation. And in a recent study, even looking at when patients presented with presbyopia, the physician only half of the time talked about it. So patients are leaving our chairs half of the time with not the information that they, they came in asking about. So there's a gap there where there's a large opportunity for us to talk about this. And, you know, most patients don't even know the word presbyopia, right? It's either they can't see up close or we lose focus. They don't understand it like all of us do. And so, you know, I've started to really use the word, you have presbyopia, this is what this condition is, here's how I'm gonna help. So I'm much more careful with the words that I use because they wanna know what it is, they wanna know what to expect, and they wanna know, you know, most importantly at the end of that, how can I help them? So those are the, the three points that we certainly go into, and that's what patients want from us. They are frustrated with their vision. You know, it, it's really sad when your patient tells you, you know, I used to love to read, and at night, by the time I go to bed, I can't even do that. You know, so this affects their everyday life. And so for me, when I can jump in at that point and say, you know what, this is, we're not gonna live like this. <laughs> There's lots of things we can do to help and I'm gonna help you through this journey. So I, I love that part of being able to help patients when we have those kinds of conversations. So you mentioned the word frustration and how patients are frustrated. I wanna ask you what frustrates you the most about presbyopia, specifically the treatment options for your patients? The biggest frustration with presbyopia is there's always a compromise. So no matter, you know, and the first patient example is an emotropic presbyope, right? This, this is a whole new realm for them. They've never had to have any kind of vision correction. And so that in and of itself presents a little bit of a challenge, but I think the word is compromise. You know, if we're doing spectacles, there's a compromise if they've never done that before. You know, with a, a multifocal contact lens, if they've never put a contact lens in, there's a compromise there. Or if they've worn distance contact lenses, there may be a compromise in one of their working distances. 
So I think that is the biggest frustration for patients and physicians. And then the second part to that is I honestly think that the conversation and navigating the psychological piece, I think is, can be difficult for physicians that aren't prepared for that. Yeah, that's a good point. So Selena, do you feel like patients react or respond differently to the uh, concept of presbyopia, the problem of presbyopia, if they come in with their vision being their primary complaint versus if they come in just for their regular annual eye health evaluation and really don't have a complaint that they give you? Great question. And there is a discernible difference. So when they come in and they present that as their chief complaint, hey, Dr. McGee, I'm having trouble with this activity, this activity, you know, I've tried this and it just doesn't work. I need help. You know, that patient is ready to hear the options and what the condition is. And so those conversations tend to be very focused, and I'll put that in air quotes, very focused and easier and more palatable, if you will, for the patient because they're ready to hear it. They're tired of what they're doing. Um, and in some cases, actually, they're desperate to have something that is going to help them with their day-to-day versus the patient that comes in and they're here for their annual exam and, you know, they're really focused on their wellness and they're checking that box for themselves. So those patients, we have to connect the dots and we have to do a good job of telling their story and helping them figure out what that story is. And so, you know, it might be a patient that's looking at a screen, you know, six, eight, 12 hours, and maybe it's four to six screens. I mean, at, at this point, I have patients like that. They're, I think my record is six screens, you know, around 12 hours a day. And so for those patients, when I ask, you know, how does that make you feel at the end of the day? Are there, are there times when, you know, this happens or this happens? Does your vision feel blurry when you do this? I love, you know, having them read something and they're like, oh, I read that, no problem. Look, I can still see up close. And then my next question is, yes, but for how long can you read that? And so when you start, you know, digging and asking those more, you know, pointed questions to kind of suss out some of those pain points, then, then they're more ready to hear. Now, that doesn't always mean that they're ready to do something about it. But when they are or when the problem gets to the point where they need something, then we've already built that trust. And that's so important. If we have the trust and we can work within that trust in our relationship, then when they do have a problem, they're coming back and they're like, you know, you told me this was going to happen and I'm ready to, you know, explore that what you talked about last time. And so I think that is just like one of my favorite pieces to what we do is building that relationship and building that trust and knowing that they're gonna call me when they need me. That's perfect, I agree. It really makes a big difference. What in your opinion could make a positive impact on your patients who have presbyopia? So I think as a community as a whole, I would love for us as optometrists to talk about the word presbyopia and use the word presbyopia so that patients begin to understand there is a word for their condition. So, and then the second piece of that is just educating the patient and physicians on how to have these conversations. And 
then at the end of that, once we have more awareness, better education, more intentional conversations, we need more treatment options and we need different treatment options than what we currently have. Because even when we talk about what's currently available and all of the technologies that we have, whether it's in spectacles or contact lenses, or you know, if we're going the full gamut with lens implants, there's I would love for us to have more treatment options that you know, could be a drop or, you know, could be something different down the road that we've never been able to offer patients before. I definitely look towards that day as well. I know it'll make our lives so much easier and it will definitely make our patients much happier. So Selena, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. We appreciate your time and thank you to our listeners for joining today's podcast. We hope you'll tune back in for future episodes of our In Focus Up Close with Presbyopia podcast series.